Hi, and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I am Atik Hamadbati, a fourth-generation homeopath with over 20 years of professional experience in this field of healing. In the Homeopathy Health Show, I'll be talking all things homeopathy and natural, with guest interviews, tips and advice, and answering some of your questions. Homeopathy is truly a unique, complementary system of healing suitable for all ages, young and old. I'd love to hear from you and welcome your questions on homeopathy and how it can or has helped you. Feel free to email me at health at liketreatslike.co.uk or visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk for more information. Once you're there, take a look at the Knowledge Academy and blog section where you will find interesting information. Both sections are growing day by day, so always check back. So let's begin today's show on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio, real feel-good radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Podcast here on UK Health Radio. As always, I hope and pray you are well and in the best of health, and certainly hope and pray it continues to be that way. Now, I'm delighted to share with you the final part of my conversation with Tony Pincus, who is the owner and technical director of Ainsworth's Homeopathic Pharmacy in London. Today's podcast with Tony is part three of this three-part special series. In part one, Tony shared his journey to homeopathy and his work at Ainsworth's, and in part two of the podcast last week, Tony spoke in great detail about the batch flower remedies and shared his extraordinary insights into how they may be used by intuition and the success he has had. As a grantee of the Royal Warrants of Appointment, Tony also shared some wonderful stories on how the royal family use homeopathy, and that really was a joy to listen to indeed. Now do remember to catch up with both parts 1 and 2 of this special podcast series with Tony Pincus. Just visit my website www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab at the top of the page and you'll find both parts 1 and 2 to listen on demand. Now in today's podcast, Tony shares his experiences during and post-pandemic. We also talk about homeopathy and farming totopathy and how homeopathy can help, especially with alleviating the side effects of conventional medicine, and, something of interest, what Tony gets up to in his spare time. So let's listen to part three of my special podcast series with Tony Pincus. Which actually aptly leads us on to the pandemic itself. What was your experience, and <clears throat> you know, being at Ainsworth's during the, the pandemic and the help that homeopathy offered for those who had, uh, you know, contracted COVID-19? It was an extraordinary time. I think it was an extraordinary time for all of us. But um, in the pharmacy, we had a deluge of calls from customers who were basically, I think everybody was in a blind panic. And the, the rampant fear that was palpable was leading people down the path of saying, I think I'm going to die if I get this thing. Give me something to prevent it and give me something to treat it if I have it. And that leads us into two areas. So on the one hand, there's prophylaxis, homeoprophylaxis, 
which I uh, alluded to earlier. And then the other hand is treatment. Um, and from the treatment arm, there's that sense of uh, what we, we consider to be the genus epidemicus, the rem remedy that you think represents the disease. And the problem we encountered with that was simply put that, you know, if it was a flu, um, and, and frequently we get the flu because, you know, we see this from one year to the next. Well, the flu manifests like a Ross Tox case or the flu manifests like a Eubatorium or a Ross or a Gelsemium or Arsenicum or a Bryonia. And you can kind of pin it down to one remedy. You see there's so many cases that mm. you start to see, you start to have a degree of confidence that the, there's one remedy that's going to come up. The problem with the pandemic was that it seemed to be a multiplicity of, of different symptom pictures that would follow one after the other. And so, you know, what started off as an arsenicum or a camphor or a bryonia case gravitated a few days later to a phosphorus case or something else, and the symptoms changed. And I was working with some colleagues around the world, and, and they would come up with all sorts of phase one, phase two, phase three, and these are the groups of remedies I would consider for that. So there was a degree of confusion. Um, and I think the the emphasis being on the fact that this was a very unusual presentation of, 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 a, of a disease, which clearly the body had difficulty dealing with. And it's it's a virulent disease in the beginning. And and there's 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 no end of conspiracy theories that we'll talk about, probably conspiracy facts as the the fact this is a gain of function virus that that has great difficulty being recognized and treated by the body. So the next phase was, well, can we consider a, a no-so? Can we consider a prophylaxis and, and a remedy for never been well since? And at that time, um, you know, we had a coronavirus remedy in our bank of remedies that I was aware of. But it was a very much a conventional coronavirus. Now, if you take a, you know, if you think coronavirus is a bog standard virus, there's millions of them, and they tend to cause respiratory problems or, or, or um, diarrhea type of problems. So we're dealing with something different here. And what you need is a sample of the actual nasty bug itself. But that wasn't going to be very easy to get hold of. And, uh, and then, you know, a, a, a friend of mine, Yubraj Sharma, who who runs the his own shamanic college and is a dean of medicine, dean of medicine at the, at the faculty of homeopathy, said, "Oh, I've downloaded the Wuhan code because they published it on the internet, and I run it through a vial. Here, would you like an electronic potency of it?" And I said, "Okay, I'll take that," and I ran that. But I, I, I had this gut reaction that said, there's something not right about this because, mm. uh, and I then kind of said, well, what's the problem? Well, if I make something, you know, as an electronic potency, I'm sure it will work, but for how long? Because there's a disconnect between this thing that I'm making and this thing's position in nature. So in other words, it never has a position in nature and if you consider that, you know, what we, we're in this illusion of reality, we're in this illusion of separation, but in reality, everything is a totality. And so you have to act in, in, in a sense of, of recognizing that unity. 
And so if you take something from nature when you make a remedy, it's forever connected when you made the remedy to its original source. So I wanted to have a remedy that was made from the original source, and at which point my daughter phoned me up and said, oh, Dad, I think I've got COVID-19. I said, great, I'll hold on to that. I'm coming over and I'll give you a test tube, spit in this test tube. And and uh, I was um, able to get a sample to make a remedy. So, you know, kind of sterilize this remedy. But a strange thing happened. And when I started making it, I was guided to, to make two versions of the same thing. And to make one just as a conventional, no sort of conventional homeopathic remedy, and to embrace a kind of a healing energy into the second one. And I've I've kind of written about this and um, you know, and it some some publications done because it's kind of working with nature um in in putting this vibration in. And then I was I was encouraged to to prove both of them and compare the difference. And they both had an effect, but the one that had the healing vibration in uh, had a significant advantage to the other one in so far that it kind of activated the, the you know, the what's called the etheric double, which is this healing pranic vitality that goes around the body. And that... Um, activated it sank into the body and it created a level of well-being and i thought okay this is all very new it's a different way of making a remedy and so i started um to to make that available to people and at the time there were you know there's a large frontline community of nurses and doctors that were under a lot of stress and we gave 500 of them this remedy and they would start coming back and saying, oh, you mean the happy pill? Mm. And what they were experiencing um, when they took it was what I felt when I made it, mm. uh, which is quite an extraordinary thing. And over the last two or three years, I've made a sequence sequence of, of these nosos that have all had that healing vibration in and have gone um, deeper and deeper into this realm. Now, it starts to get interesting because they are also in like the bachelor remedies I was talking about earlier, activating the patient to do what they came here for. So we come back full circle to a discussion of the remedy being a vehicle for empowering the person to to take control of their life, to take responsibility for their life and the choices that they're making so that they go through the lessons that they need to go through. And that the symptoms that, that accrue from uh, rejecting that are essentially the consequences of choices that are being made by them. Um, and so then there's a marriage between using the nosos and also using this ABC method because if you get patients who are willing to say, okay, fine, when the symptoms come out, I accept this is a consequence of choices I'm making, that's fine. But when you have people who are very anti-dealing with any symptoms, and so as a patient, they come to you and say, I don't want to take these, I don't, and these symptoms have come up, I don't want to deal with them, give me something to antidote the remedy, I don't want to deal with them. 
I use the this batch flower melt method to enable them to come to terms with what they refuse to listen to. Um, because from my point now, the movement forward is to encourage patient responsibility and empowerment rather than patient dependency and uh, lack of an understanding of, of what they're going through. So, you know, everything is is done at the grassroots, be it with the farmers or with the, you know, the patients that come in, enabling them to have the opportunity to really take more responsibility for their lives and by being empowered to do so. It's very interesting, um, you know, that, that final point that you've made um, and your observations, of course, with, with COVID and the preparation is, is fascinating. But uh, I was um, actually mentioning this. I, I, I we're talking about Pat Ahern, and, and I spoke to him about this as well recently, that um, the beauty, one of the beauties of homeopathy is also the, the fact of the of empowerment. So when acute cases or, you know, situations arise at home or with loved ones of any type of trauma or complaint, you know, 50, 60% of the trauma that could have been associated with that, with that ailment or disease is removed because you're empowered. So you know what to do. You know what remedies to take. You know what remedies to give. Um, and that's such a positive for the immune system itself because, you know, sometimes you become ill and generally, let's say, um, the response from the majority is, okay, call 111 or, or dial 999 or call the GP and, and then there's anxiety of booking an appointment and then there's trauma associated with all the different things that perhaps you might have to undergo for a diagnosis. Whereas with homeopathy, it's like, oh, you know, uh, throbbing headache, flush face, whatever, redness, ah, belladonna, because your fever's high as well, spike, it's done. And 50% of the trauma that's associated with that is removed, which can only be a good thing. Is that not right for the, for the immune system, but also for you know, your vital force itself, you know, the energy? Absolutely, and I think it's important that um, you know that you know you you recognise the word doctor means is teacher. You know that your 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 role is to teach and to assist the the patient to to come to terms with the the conditions that they've brought to their door uh, as a personal and individual lesson for them. And you know we all we all have lessons. We're all here. To learn our individual lessons and then each lesson is different and mm. therefore trying to assume that that they're going through the same thing as somebody else is 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 something that you realize is 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 foolhardy because they're having their own experience likewise we choose individual remedies based on the presentation of the case so there's a lot lot to be learned isn't there i mean there's a lot mm. to to understand here and i think when people recognize you know and that there is an opportunity for them to to help themselves the question is do they want to take it you know because this is a free will planet and we are always going to have these opportunities come to our door um because that's how that's what we signed up for when we incarnated that you know we came in with a game plan we came in with a whole load of things that we wish to learn this lifetime, but we also came in with this 
mindlessness in which we're separate from that sense of reality, sense of wholeness, and we're dumped in a space in which we have free will as to whether or not we want to follow what comes from our heart or what comes from our head. And that free will is fundamental because, yes, you can get somebody to the point, especially when they're in a crisis, to come to your door and follow a certain rules. But as soon as they get well, what are they going to do? Are they going to revert to form and only come back to your door when they're in the next crisis? Or will you be able to use enough impetus from that, that experience with them to encourage them to change the way they're being at a fundamental level? Mm. And this, for me, is the is 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 both encouraging and frustrating because you know i get <laughs> even with farmers you know you you give them a remedy and say well if you put this in the trough that's going to help prevent this problem and it's a seasonal problem and they come back to you the next year and say i've got the problem again i said well you've got the remedy oh i've stopped using that and you say well, well didn't you get the message that you know you're getting the the, the problem is in the soil you know, now you can't go around killing the soil because that wouldn't be right. But what you're doing is you're giving your animals an opportunity to get a leg up on the problem. So if you work with them, then you know that there's a simple and economical answer to the problem. Hmm. And and what you tend to find is, as with farmers, so with the rest of the population, that you know there's a certain percentage of people that feel it's valuable enough to want to follow through on this in order that they use homeopathy as a first line of approach um it, and, and and then you've got a and, and those people if you look at it are the ones who feel strongly enough to take on board that level of responsibility that, that moves them in that direction whereas you get a large proportion of the population that say if there's something wrong with me, it's not my fault, and I should go down the road to a guy in a white coat and ask him to excise my lessons from me because they're inconvenient. And I think to a certain extent, you know, we're a very unevolved species, you know, in the sense that we've forgotten who we are, why we came here, and what the purpose of life is, to the extent that we feel if something goes wrong, even though we've caused it, it's somebody else's problem. I think um, <laughs> it's very much a mindset problem, isn't it? And I think healthcare itself has, you know, the, the wonders of modern medicine have, have made us very, um, dare I say it, you know, lazy. Just a quick pick, uh, a quick fix is all, all we'd need, you know, uh, pop a pill and get on with your, with your day job as such, you know, and uh, there's no time to take responsibility for, for, for your own health. But, I think that's very much a mindset, and I have found that since post-COVID, if if we can even go there, um, because of various reports, you know, saying there's a there's a rise again. But anyway, um, since the, the the first outbreak as such, um, people, you know, a large chunk of people around the world have reflected. They've had plenty of time to reflect, to sit, to, to sit at home with loved ones, and sadly, sometimes even on your own, but. It's given this opportunity to think about things on a serious level, much deeper level. And, you know, people have become a bit more receptive, or should I say, uh, you know, a good size or a good size portion have become um, more responsible 
actually. So something positive has come out of it where they're looking at alternatives. Um, they're thinking, well, hang on, you know, if this something like this happens again, what are we going to do? And this has led to some very fruitful paths. Uh, people have started to meditate. People have moved to homeopathy. Uh, people have tried, started exercising. They're looking at nutrition. They're, they're thinking about what they eat. It's not just soda pops all day and coffee all day long and sweeties and, and whatnot, you know. So some good has, of course, come out of it. Of course, long way to go, isn't it? But uh, um, it's sad that it took something like um, the pandemic, actually, to, to uh to, to make people think as such though but I, here we I are i think that you know the, the 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 significant thing that i noticed was how people were motivated more by fear than anything else mm. you know fear was the driver um you know the facts are uh, the facts of the the realities associated with the virus were um secondary compared to the the very useful manipulation of fear um and fear was the driver that was was exercised to a huge extent and you know you can see how this wasn't a scientific change this was a political change this was an exercise in almost totalitarianism in the way you, you could you could change the attitude of a society by by pressing the fear button to the extent that you told them something that was your survival is under threat if you don't do what i say your survival is under threat and people became compliant uh, most almost most of the population became entirely compliant because they actually feared that if they didn't they would die you know and i I think we 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 it, the 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 message got lost in translation because through through whatever dimension it was it was manifest it was quite clear that if you told people or even gave the impression that if they got this thing they were going to die their knee jerk reaction was I don't want to die I will do anything not not to not die and they would follow any any set of rules which is a kind of a dysfunctional attitude towards common sense and human nature and the only people who who rebelled against that were the ones that said hang on a minute do i want to react towards this information or do i want to step back and consider what's actually being presented here and unfortunately there was too little consideration too much reacting um and then of course there was a belief in the in the disseminated information by the powers that be that said well what i'm telling you is the truth and you have to believe me and we ended up with this rather dystopian scenario where where um all common sense left the planet and we were told do this or or you're going to threaten everybody around you and you know stepping back in retrospect you see in in reality that the dangers of catching this disease were actually very minimal compared to 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 what was being disseminated as information and most people's attitude was if i get this thing i'm going to die but the evidence didn't support that and 
unfortunately what we're looking at is in 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 conclusion is if such something like this happened again to what extent will people stand back and say hang on a minute do i want to go down the same road do i feel you know and my guess is they will because the fear button will be pressed again and we'll go through the whole scenario i'm always hopeful that in human nature that people will learn from their experience but my experience is that it requires the courage to stand back and say you know what i hear what you're saying but i'm got a feeling that what you're telling me and i got my gut feeling is there's something something smells a bit wrong here and i'm going to follow my heart rather than what you're telling me and that's the path that a lot of people who venture down into homeopathy take they say well yes okay i agree and i understand that you you know most people want to follow the status quo and they want to place their the responsibility for their health in the in the hands of authorities so i i see that the the you know the road that we're talking about with homeopathy is very much a personal journey that people take because they're following their hearts rather than necessarily just uh something that they've been told to do mm. and it takes that degree of of evolvement of of human nature to to get more people down to this path um and and i don't see how that's going to change unless more people recognize that they're responsible for the choices that they're making and the difficulty and the question i have is to what extent are people willing to take responsibility for their lives and to what extent are they saying that's not my problem and we're into the blame culture if something goes wrong with me it's the state's fault they have to get me better and i'm willing to listen to them rather than go with the feeling that i have that's telling me that i should take a different role different path it's raised a very very interesting question indeed and uh, but i certainly hope that we don't have to go through what we have been through over the last several years because it has done a lot of emotional damage and it's 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 set people back in 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 many ways um with a, a myriad of mental health problems and anxieties and uh, and also it's made people introvert as well it's so much easier isn't it just to sit home and 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 with technology everything can be done i mean you don't actually literally have to physically go out anywhere everything can now be done from home uh, even even this hybrid model of working is is a great success and in fact I don't know if you can call it hybrid because I find that more people are working they'll say they're working 5 days a week but four of those days are actually at home they only have to go into the office once a week and then even that's for 3 or 4 hours so technically it's not really hybrid it's it's almost fully home based isn't it? <laughs> it it is and I think we've seen some significant changes in the way people work mm. that have come on the back of this uh you know people as you say people working from home people realizing that that offers them a different type of freedom um companies having to shift companies saying oh that's interesting well if you're willing to work at home using your electricity and why do i need to rent a building in central london mm. you know why or why do I, i can save on the expense 
and suddenly realizing we don't need to travel so much we can have zooms rather than flying around for meetings so there are there are a mixed bag of advantages as well as um you know disadvantages in 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 the way that this is we've arrived at this place but i'm less <laughs> uh you know i'm less optimistic than you that we won't go through this thing again you know my sense is that there will be other viruses that come out and and you know how much have we learned about the knee-jerk reaction to this and how much are we willing mm. to be directed by the powers that be rather than making our free will choices um i was going to ask you uh something a bit light-hearted actually because that was uh that, that was quite a deep conversation i want to pick your brain on something um which i'm sure the listeners will find interesting with all your experiences working at ainsworths what are the remedies that you're often uh you know what are the remedies that are sort of you can't call them bestsellers but the, the ones that are more often repeated are they the the bulk standard ones like arnica and belladonna and aconite or would you find it's just a mixed bag of no sows and batch flour and remedies and I, th I think well i mean we've got about five thousand remedies and we make new ones all the time and i think amazing they they venture into different camps um i think one of the things um i could answer that in so many different ways but one of the areas that uh, apart from the homeoprophylaxis and then the covid stuff that i was talking about with the nosos there um one area that i find fascinating is tautopathy and and tautopathy is essentially making remedies from you know drugs or or you know drugs that are causing side effects and this is interesting because it actually has increasingly little to do with conventional homeopathy because you're not treating the underlying disease you're treating the consequence of somebody taking a drug and having a side effect and trying to unravel that whilst allowing them to take the drug and one of the early experiences i had with that was with um with a child who had leukemia and was going in for the chemotherapy and the um and i i just you know had a lecture on you know uh some postgraduate lecture on by some nurses who were giving one of the chemotherapy drugs called cisplatin and they were saying to me well you know this stuff causes huge vomiting and and we're not just talking about normal vomiting here the retching is so powerful it has been known to wrench the esophagus off the stomach Ooh. and you think you know that's some retching and this child was under 12 and he couldn't have the 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 anti anti-emetics the thing called metoclopramide that was given to to adults because they caused extra pyramidal symptoms so so there was very little that could be done for this child to cope with the, the vomiting and the mother phoned up and said look little johnny was in hospital for six weeks the first time he had the cisplatin he's going in again is there anything you can do to you know to alleviate this 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 nightmare that's coming towards us at a rapid rate and we had made a remedy from cisplatin we gave it to him and by pre-dosing um before he had the infusion 
he was able to come out of hospital within four days rather than six weeks. And I thought, well, this is a pretty useful technique. And when you think about it, it's as straightforward as anything, because if somebody has a drug and they're having side effects of the drug, we pretty much know that if we make a remedy from that drug, that's going to take the side effects away. And if it's a drug that they have to take on a regular basis and they can't stop, then it's useful because it stops them going further down that iatrogenic line where they're going to have another drug and another drug for the side effects of the first and the second drug. And to give you, there's multiple examples they can give you. I mean, the last, most recent one I have was a lady who um, came into the shop who had fallen off a horse, broken back about 20 years ago, and had been living on opiate painkillers. And she's now on fentanyl. Fentanyl is the is 10 times more lethal than heroin. Mm. And, and, and it's so lethal, they don't give it to you in tablets. They give it to you as a patch, like a plaster. And you put the plaster on, and it gives you a slow release of the drug into your skin. Tiny, tiny amounts go into the skin over time to give you a continual pain relief. And, you know, she came in, and she was having huge sweats from as a side effect to this drug. And uh, we said, okay, well, let's um, let's see what we, what we can do is we can take uh, make a remedy to the patch, which we did, um, and we had to be very careful because if we just touched that patch, it could be lethal to us. Mm. She, you know, gotten graduated up to a dose, but we made a remedy from one of these patches and ran it to a thirty C, and she was standing in front of me, and I gave her the the remedy, and she took it while she was in the shop. And within under a minute after taking the tablet, she looked at me and she said, oh, my God, it feels like somebody's just drained a huge tank of water. And at that point, she recognized that she could control this this horrendous side effect to the, the drug while still taking the drug. It didn't compromise her taking the drug. And the, the condition she had was inoperable because... The surgeons were worried about, you know, you know, permanently um, paralyzing her if the operation went wrong, and so she was left in this situation where the best she could do was to take the drug, and the best we could do was to antidote side effects. And you can do that with, you know, any any drugs that are on the market causing side effects, um, and you know when they, you know, when you see the advert on television, and they say. This drug will cure you. And then they, they speed up the language and say it will cause nausea, vomiting, your left arm to fall off. And, uh, you know, and all of those mm. things that they say is the homeopathic uh, benefit of the remedy. So these, um, the, these remedies or these, these medicines which have now become remedies, are they, are they readily available? So, um, these people are on, uh, uh, remedies for blood pressure which is becoming so common now and and and, and other conditions as well like yes. uh, statins and so forth yes i mean you know things like ramipril which you know blood pressure drugs which give you a nasty cough mm. if you take ramipril as a homeopathic remedy you can still take your ramipril but without having the cough mm. you know um you know you i remember doing this years ago with uh Nifedipine, Adelat for another blood pressure drug, 
that will cause your feet to swell. If you took the, the drug as a homeopathic remedy concurrently, you would still have the, the effect, but your feet wouldn't swell up. So I'm, I think amlodipine is also one, isn't it? That That's a, a well-known side effect of swelling of the ankles. That's right. So it's the same same deal. And if you take amlodipine in potency, then it takes down the, the, the swelling without having you, you know, mm. coming off the drug. Now, that's a benefit to, to people who want to, you know, maintain the drug therapy, but look for yeah. a halfway house to, to, to help. You know, it's um, same sort of thing happens with like the hay, in the middle of the hay fever season. Mm. And, you know, we make pollens and grasses uh, that, are, that are indigenous to this country uh and give those to people as an antidote so so you can do that with cat hair you can do it with dog hair you can do it with horse dander all of these things are arguably not necessarily a minimum but they are the causative agent uh, and and you can use that remedy when the person is sensitive to the problem you know if, you know because the body is generating symptoms as a reaction now you could go further and you could say, okay, well, there's a miasmatic underpinning to that. And obviously you start looking at remedies to stop the, the, the symptoms coming through in the first place. But in, in relation to a quick fix, it's very easy to reach for, you know, remedies made from the condition as, a, as an adjunct to the, mm. to any constitutional treatment. The true wonders of homeopathy never ceased to exist uh, or Amen. to surprise, yes. you know. Now, uh, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, but I can't leave without asking you about whether you have time for any hobbies. Um, because it sounds like you're extremely dedicated. I was going to say busy, but I changed just at the last moment because um busy of course you are but i think it's the dedication which is very commendable um and you know uh, give you a virtual round of applause from from all my listeners as well it's it's been fascinating today but do you get time for any hobbies and if so what are they <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm racing around between you know i, li I, li I live about 150 miles from the shop so i'm racing backwards and always up the motorway um so i i get you live that time, far wow yeah well I, I i chose well i chose to to be in a you know i wanted to move out of london because i found that um i needed to be in a place which was closer to nature um to get a kind of a a cell of a healing my own personal healing mm. um so, so so there's an element of that and being in the countryside, walking, being being able to walk in the countryside and have the fresh air and the freedom and the views, so that's part of it. And, and, and gardening, but I also, from an old lifetime when I was a druid, I got very interested in wood, and I, and I, um, I love carving and, and wood turning and and making objects like that, which give me a sense of escapism in in doing something that that, that creates something, but also relaxes. It relaxes the mind um but I, I i you know like you i feel that you know homeopathy has been a calling um and it, and it sort of 
as a calling it's not it's not like an everyday job it's it's something mm. that you know one has a passion for um and and there's there's a purpose so it's always you know it's an enjoyment in its own right absolutely um tony it's been uh tony pincus it's been an absolute joy uh, i'm still thrilled after this conversation um uh, the thrill level is still there uh, it's it's really been great to have you on the podcast today and uh, i sincerely hope that um later this year you'll you'll come back and and we can talk some more because um you know the knowledge that you have is not only inspiring but it's also very motivating and it's uh fascinating as well well thank you very much for inviting me and i hope um i haven't sent everybody to sleep <laughs> but i i'm you know i've enjoyed it as well and that was part three of a three-part special with tony pincus from ainsworth's homeopathic pharmacy that really was fascinating don't you think so much knowledge and most certainly exemplary commitment dedication and passion to serve humanity through homeopathy now tony will join me again later this year and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it actually i can't wait and we'll talk some more now remember you can listen to all three parts of my conversation with tony pincus by visiting my website www.liketreatslike.co.uk and then from the menu just head to the radio and podcast tab and as soon as you land on that page you'll see actually pictures of all the guests i've had on the show so far and you can just click the appropriate podcast and um, stream on demand as such. Now, don't forget to follow my socials on Instagram, TikTok or Facebook under Like Treats Like and you'll find links there for the website and also, interestingly enough, there's a lot of trailers that I produce. So before every podcast, a few days before, there's always a trailer and it's either an audio trailer or a video trailer of the guests themselves who are coming or appearing on the podcast itself and uh, you'll find that quite interesting as well. And do share, please. Now, next time on the Homeopathy Health Podcast, I'll be speaking to Dr. Sharon Ali, who is a homeopath in Pune in India. And following that, the week after, I'll be speaking to Dr. Uh, Gorang Gaikwood, who is a homeopathic doctor from Mumbai in India. I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app? from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.
So until next week, I hope you have a pleasant week ahead and uh, keep busy, keep focused, but also enjoy the beauties of nature. Take time to exercise, look after your health, make sure you're having the right food types, uh, keep up on your vitamins and supplements, make sure you're nutritionally balanced. So until next time, uh, take care of yourselves and I very much look forward to speaking to you soon.